This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. Upon the examination of the galaxies of space, images begin to appear. Images of strange and powerful forces. But of all the forces in the universe, the two most powerful, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, prepare to explode. Champion versus champion, title for title, it's the ultimate challenge, it's WrestleMania! Everybody, welcome back to Review Mania Six. It is episode six. We review yes. WrestleMania Six. My name is Rob. I'm Zach, and we're back to talk WrestleMania Six. Yes. Good. Good job. <laughs> All right. So WrestleMania. Ah, oh, come on! You didn't fucking do it. Oh, I'm sorry. I was taking a sip of beer. WrestleMania 6. Ah, Jesus Christ. Let's see what I have to work with, folks. Thought we had a thing going. Unspoken. No, it's rude. All right. WrestleMania 6, April 1st, 1990. We've done it, folks. We're now in the 90s. Yes, We're done but with I still the 80s. wasn't alive at this point. We'll have to wait till next year. Oh, God. Are you serious? Oh, no, I was, yeah, I'm serious. God damn. I was five. And, yeah. Um, anyway, the 80s are now behind us. This WrestleMania features Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Yes, the ultimate challenge, as they were saying. Yeah, so, this is the first time I see, you know, obviously I've not been watching anything else. I've been strictly watching WrestleMania. And this is the first time I've seen the Ultimate Warrior. He was in the or no, he wasn't I'm sorry. No, he was around last year. That's he right. He was around last year. He so was I fighting com- uh Rick Rude. Yeah, sorry. I completely forgot about that. So, yeah. So obviously, he went from newcomer and uh to main eventer in a year. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because around the same time as this is happening, his former tag team partner Sting was also main eventing down in WCW. Yeah, well, he was still Surfer Sting. Well, yes. But I Surfer remember Sting. Surfer Sting growing up. Remember he had the bleach blonde hair and he had the crazy face paint. And yes, but Surfer Sting won like five or six world championships. We can't just discard Surfer Sting. Exactly. So, WrestleMania 6 takes place in the Toronto Sky Dome. 65,000 people. Yeah, one of two WrestleManias to happen outside of the United States, and both happened in the Sky Dome. Yes, yes. So, I will always remember the 1990, I think it was 1998? 
No, it was 99. The 99 Raw held at the Sky Dome. Just crazy amounts of people. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, keep... I mean, I'll also remember X8 when we get to it, but... Yes, we'll get there. Uh, we Hogan have... versus Rock. Yeah, it'll be title for title. Hogan's World title and Warriors Intercontinental Championship title. Uh, so... Fink announces it's time for the Canadian National Anthem, which they play, and he introduces yes. Robert Goulet, which rhymes. Yes, uh, Robert Goulet. Yes. I originally... Before he was handing people pistachio nuts. Yes. The Canadian imagery was shown, like Niagara Falls, Wilderness, the Toronto Skyline, because that's all Canada has. Why do they show beavers? Or like because syrup, or poutine, or poutine. Uh, I don't think poutine was as big of a thing as it was now <laughs> back in the nineties. That that stuff's gross, dude. What? Yeah, that was the greatest thing I had when I was in Canada. I had it five times in fourteen <laughs> days. <laughs> I, I I just don't like gravy, and I don't like cheese. I like French fries, <sighs> but. Okay, so I got a story real quick, and okay. everyone will love it who's listening to this. So I had to go up to Canada for work. <clears throat> I was there for almost two weeks. Well, on the weekend, me and my coworker were like, oh shit, let's go to Toronto, because we were in the Ontario province, and we were ping-ponging up and down Canada. So we uh, got a pretty... <clears throat> Excuse me. We got a pretty good hotel. We were across the street from the uh, Sky Dome. We were a block away from the baseball stadium. And we were kitty corner from like the hockey arena. So we were like right in the heart of Toronto. We're walking around. This is when the International Film Festival was going on as well. So that was pretty cool. We walk into uh, Chinatown along the, near the university area. And right around the corner, I grab some poutine from this, like, hole-in-the-wall place that all they serve is poutine. And they got Japanese poutine with, like, seaweed and shit in it and stuff I'll never eat. But I got straight-up regular poutine. We keep walking, and we run into this place with, like, no signage. All there is is a picture of, like, a gaming thing going on. And we're like, what the hell is this place? But it's like, hey, there's a video game something on the on the window. We walk in. It's a VR lounge where you can pay money to do VR. Me and my coworker had never done VR. So we were watching. We were like, what, what is this, you know? Well, there are these kids playing. And I'm sitting there eating my poutine. And they changed to some, like, underwater world where there's, like, fish or something. And this father is watching his kid and, like, I guess his friends. Maybe it was a birthday thing. I have no freaking clue. But they change games. And they're like, oh, this is so realistic. I smell french fries. Everyone just busts out laughing because just, just the absurdity. And the, the father's like, there's no smelling. It's just a game. And you're under the sea. Why would you smell french fries under the sea? 
Well, I don't know. It's just so real, though. It smells like French fries. Was he playing a SpongeBob game? I wish. I wish he was playing like McDonald's Simulator. Um, no, he was playing some kind of underwater thing. I don't, I don't know what he's playing. But yeah, I got to do VR for the first time there, and it was effing amazing. And I damn near wanted to open my own VR studio, like then and there. And then I found out how much stuff really costs, and I was like, "Oh, yeah." So, well, it wasn't not to get off topic too much here. It wasn't renting space. It wasn't getting the hardware. Don't get me wrong. You're dropping some coin on some computers, the headsets, all this stuff. It was the games. And it wasn't like, oh, you just got to buy 10 copies if you have 10 headsets. Oh, no, 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 no. If you want <clears throat> the supported version of the headset, I was looking at Oculus Rift or whatever it's called. Okay, yeah. They offer a professional version which is meant for VR labs. You pay double the money, but you also get support. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And then the games. Oh, no, no, no. You don't just buy the game. You license the game, and you are charged varying amounts of money per minute played by the customer. So they take it by... You got to buy the game. You got to buy all your games. The number yep. of headsets you have are stations. But then they say, okay, you want to play uh, Sunshine Arizona? We'll charge you six cents a minute. And at the end of the month, depending on how much you pay, that, that game was played by all your patrons, that is your monthly due to them. I mean, I guess that makes sense, actually. I mean, it, it, it is expensive, <laughs> but. I was, I'm thinking back, um, when I was in high school, there was a place that we would, me and my friends would go in Southern New England that had, that was basically this place where you could have land parties and they would provide Yeah, no, we had one in Minnesota too. It was fucking awesome. We'd go there, play, pay 15 bucks for a couple hours and play whatever you wanted. Right. And I bet their setup was very similar. They, they were provided all by Dell with Alienware computers. And then they had like a server in the back where you would have to access the games. And I bet it's a very similar process. Possibly. But I just felt like. I, so the VR headset place or the VR game place I went to probably did not do this. They probably just outright bought probably one copy and had multiple Steam accounts. I mean, like they were paying. I paid 15 bucks for 30 minutes. Yeah. I would think if you're paying legit pricing. There's no way you're making money. Like, I did the math, and it's like, oh, to break even without paying anything as far as paying my rent, paying my electricity, paying for the games, paying for the headsets, like, per month, like, it was crazy. And then you got to factor in, oh, I had to pay some employees. Yep, and then you have to pay them at least minimum wage. Yeah, and it's just like, (coughs) you know, if you do it on the straight and narrow, there's no way. And it changed, it changed frequently. Mm. And the thing that really pissed me off looking into this was new games are coming out all the time. 
Well, yeah. But, but, but I'm saying, like, you've always got to have the latest and greatest. You're always having expenditures coming out the door. Then I figured out you have to have, like, 50 to 75 people uh, a day, if not more, to break even. And then anything above that. And it's like, holy crap, good luck with that. Then yeah. I feel like it has a shelf life. Because now look at the look at the next version, the iteration. They've got the Oculus Rift Go or whatever it's called. Now it's wireless. It's cheaper. I mean, there's going to be that plateau of there's no longer this barrier of huge expense to get into VR gaming. Well, I, I mean, We're not yeah, there guess, yet, but yeah. I would probably say in the next two to three years, it's gone. Mm, probably. Or at least five. Maybe two to three is being too aggressive. Oh, I don't know. But think of it this way. We, as anime fans, because we're both anime fans. Yep. I know. I know our listeners don't necessarily know that, but... We thought that the days of ridiculous things coming out on DVD were over. But we've just found out that not only is Sentai Filmworks releasing Legend of the Galactic Heroes and this $800 box set that I really want and I'm not going to buy because I don't have $800 to spend on anime, but Funimation is spending, what, what is releasing a $1,000 Cowboy oh, Bebop thing. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. The difference with that is there's alternatives. You can stream the show. Uh, Cowboy Bebop uh, has been re-re-re-re-re-released a million times. The That's true. Legend of the Galactic Heroes, you could probably find on a streaming website legally. I'm not saying illegally. I'm just saying you have legal alternatives. Whereas- it, is, it is streaming on High Dive, but the problem is that if you're a big enough fan of the show, you kind of want to own it, and they only give you that one option. And if you are in a situation where you can't afford $800, then you're kind of out of luck. Yeah, but in this case, with VR, though, you don't have any options. It's like either you do VR or you just, you're satisfied to watching, you know, Jacksepticeye or some other YouTuber, like, playing it. Like, I know the new hotness right now in VR is, uh, like, Beat Hero or something like that. It's You have these, like, the swords from, from Star Wars. Mm, yeah, and you play. I, I, you play. I, like, I saw that yeah. demoed at a Best Buy, but there are other options with VR. Like you can get those headsets for your phone. I know they're not necessarily yeah, the same. Yeah, but I mean they're not making the hot games for that. I get what you're saying. You can get the substandard bastardized version of quote unquote VR. I mean, I play. I got. I one year I bought my mom my my mom the Samsung Galaxy Gear. And it was the first time I'd ever done anything, and I watched some Cirque du Soleil thing, and yeah, you can look around. I mean, the WWE, you know, just get this back to wrestling. WWE right now has been shooting a ton of stuff and with 360-degree cameras that I allow that. you to... What's that? I hate that. You do? Did you do it? Did I do. you watch it? Yeah, I do. Like, I watch it on my phone, and when you watch it on your phone, you can kind of turn it around mm-hmm. like you can watch it on like a computer and kind of click where you are but when you're watching it on your phone if you move your position at all like let's say you start the video sitting up yeah and then it's like 15 minutes so you want to like lay, lay down, down or yeah. something if you lay down you're just looking up at the ceiling 
and you have to tip it up again, and you have to sit back up in your regular position to actually see the ring. So you can't be lazy. No, you can't be lazy. <laughs> anyway, that's my rant on VR. Um, let's get let's get let's into get, the matches. Let's get into wrestling. All right. So the night started off with Coco Beware versus Rick the Model Martel. Now the last Birdman. year at WrestleMania, uh, we saw Martel kind of turn on Tito Santana, Ariba. Yeah, what happened with that? So can well, okay. So they formed Strike Force. I think that was the name of their tra- tag team, and then yep. they were going to use rick more as like a uh as a heel and gonna give him more of a stature yeah yeah yeah. so at last year's WrestleMania, remember remember they were saying like oh you wanted to they they kept saying like well tito wanted to bring the team back and so it sounds like they they broke up but for well, wrestlemania I, they were like oh let's let's go be a tag team again and well i don't think I, I don't think it was that i think that one of them was injured, and then they came back as a tag team. Okay, I was thinking from a storyline perspective. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean from well, a, no. I don't mean from a backstage politics thing. So they broke up, and remember, uh, Rick Martel was like, "Oh, Tito, we just really wanted the group together, and I didn't want to do it." And you know, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, no, and I even think from a storyline perspective, I think Rick got hurt, and then he came back. Oh, okay. So I, I I think in real life, he got hurt, and then he came back, and then they had the tag team again. Yeah. Um, but, th- yeah. So by this point, Rick Martel has completely transformed into his most famous persona of Rick the Model Martel, which he'll have until, like, 1997. Yeah, pretty much until he goes to WCW. Right. And then he has, like, three matches in WCW, then he retires. Anyway... So the match starts off, um, you'll notice that this year they have the carts from WrestleMania 3 again. Yes. I, th- I think it's just because it's in a stadium and they just need it. Super uh, long. Quick, uh, yeah, they just need a way for the wrestlers to like get out there quickly without getting gassed or yes. out of breath. So the match starts with uh, Martel attacking uh, Coco as the ref is checking him for weapons. Yes. So, um, and then, and then it starts off with Coco doing his high, his pseudo high flying. He springboards around, does a cross body, which gets a two. Uh, he follows that up with a pair of drop kicks and a backdrop, uh, before close lining Martel to the floor. Uh, he slingshots, um, Martel back inside. And then Coco delivers a big shoulder block. Um, so Martel, even though he got the quick advantage, Coco is kind of being, uh, he's, he has the fire. He's being a fiery baby face. Yep. Um, he comes off the rope again, but this time, um, Martel gets him onto the floor and then back inside Martel boots, uh, Coco and then delivers, um, a suplex, which gets two. Um, and then Martel does a, double axe handle from the second rope and then follows that up with a backbreaker, which is a setup for the most deadly of maneuvers, the Boston crab. Oh, not the Boston crab. Yeah. I mean, or should it be called the Quebec 
crab. Ah. Um, so Martel attempts the crab, but uh, Coco is able to get to the ropes before Martel can fully turn him over. And as we know, if you get onto your belly, then you're just done. Yep. Um, Martel then fires Coco into the turnbuckles, uh, but Coco no sells um, because his head is hard. <laughs> <laughs> And he kind of points to his head. I always hated that as a, like a when the sim, like when oh yeah, like like, like people can't figure it out. He's gotta be like, oh, see, like really, well, yeah, or like, oh no, that doesn't hurt because my head's so hard. I always hated that, like when the Samoans do it or when Coco does it here. Yeah, but it's funny because never... Jesse would call him coconut head. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's true. Um. And then he uh, does. He starts doing a uh, comeback, which consists of a pair of flying headbutts, which gets a two. Uh, then Coco tries to do the springboard crossbody off the second rope, but um, misses. And then Martel then puts on the Boston Crab, which then gives gets him a, a submission at about five and a half minutes. What? And, yeah, got it as three fifty one. Nope, five thirty. Where? Damn you, Wikipedia. <laughs> well, that might include entrances and all that other stuff. So. Yeah, okay. All right, so after that match, we get a word from the tag team champions, which is the colossal connection of Haku and Andre the Giant. Andre looks so... Bad here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Haku, it looks surprised. Looks very young. Yeah, he during, is. During this interview, um, and it's surprising because I recently, like a couple of days ago, I watched the first couple of episodes of Nitro on the network. Yeah. And uh, he's Meng there. Yeah, he was awesome. And yeah, well, he was awesome, but. He also looks like he aged like 10 years and five. He looks a lot older. (laughs) Yeah, they made a bunch of poop jokes. Yeah, I I mean, it's one of those interstitial interviews. And then we get a guy called Sean Mooney, who I hadn't seen. I don't think we've seen before. Yeah, Sean Mooney's here. Um, And he talks to Demolition. Axe and Smash. We don't have Crush yet. Yeah, they said they're going to put them in the back of a semi and drive it off a cliff. They were going to murder this other tag team. Well, I mean... Yeah. I don't know. I don't... I don't really get Demolition. Like, I know that they're supposed... Like, they're... Like, the low-rent road warriors. Yeah. But... And Vince made them because he couldn't get the Road Warriors. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. And then I keep thinking of, I think think it's Smash who becomes the uh, Repo Man later. One of them does. Yeah. So the announcers say that Andre is bulking up as he's gotten bigger. Yeah, yeah, he he certainly is bigger than than in um, WrestleMania four or 
uh, WrestleMania three. I'm surprised they even let him out in the ring, but mm. let's get into it. Yeah. WWF Tag Team Championship match. The champions, uh, Andre the Giant and Haku, with their manager, Bobby the Brain Heaton, uh, versus Demolition. Now, Demolition, at this point, are two-time WWF Tag Team Champions. So, they're going for their third. So... One thing you'll notice in my notes here is that Andre does not get in the ring at all. Nope. He stays on the apron, and Haku works this match basically by himself. Pretty much alone, yeah. So it's basically a handicap match, but we'll get into it. All right. So. Your bird wants to get into it. The bird likes to talk. (laughs) <laughs> when I'm talking, because the bird thinks I'm talking to it, <laughs> and I wish the bird would shut up. <laughs> Hate the bird. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. So, um, Haku starts to match off with Smash, and Smash um, is able to duck a chop from Haku, and then. Um, and then uh, fires Haku into a boot, uh, and then Axe also hits him with a boot. Um, Axe tags in and hammers Haku down. Andre comes in to put a stop to things before getting shown out by the ref. So one of like only two times that Andre even moves. And then uh, Axe makes a quick tag to Smash, who uh, delivers some more punishment before tagging out. Uh, Demolition continues to take turns pounding away until Thumb in the Eye uh, gets a, gets temporary control for Haku. Uh, I don't remember who he thumbs in the eye, but he's thumbs somebody in the eye. Uh, Smash and Haku um, try to go for a backslide attempt, each trying to backslide the other, uh, but and which acts or I'm sorry, Smash eventually does, and then um, Andre stops the account. Axe tags back in and delivers a co- clothesline, but Haku ducks and delivers a thrust to the throat, very cane-like, uh, to gain control. Uh, and then Haku goes to work a little bit, does a backbreaker, which gets a two, and then he does a super kick uh, and a th- uh, stomp, and then he chokes um, Axe. And then um, the ref pulls off Haku, and then. Um, which allows Heenan uh, to hit Smash um, or Axe. I keep getting them confused too because I don't care about them. <laughs> um, Haku gets a two count and then um, rams Axe into Andre's forehead because Andre, like Coco Beware and most Samoans, have, has a hard head, which gives him a uh, two count. And then. So Haku does some more choking and another thumb to the eye. And then he does a snapmare and a nerve hold. Um, Axe gets chopped into the corner. And then Andre chokes him for a while. So lots of choking going on. Um, and then... Let's see here. Um, shoulder breaker. Uh, from Haku gets another two, and then Irish whip into the corner. It's followed by a charged, 
But this time, Haku runs into a, a boot from Axe. Clothesline follows, which allows to for a hot tag to smash. Uh, back elbow and backdrop sets up a crossbody from smash for two. Andre comes in and gets double clothesline from Demolition. I'm surprised that they allowed this to happen because Andre is like very fragile at this point. Um, Ref tries to put Axe out of the ring, which allows Andre to grab Smash from behind, and then Haku delivers a super kick to Smash. Um, But it hits Andre instead, which ties him up in the ropes, and then Haku is alone with Demolition, double clothesline, and then the Demolition decapitation, which I believe was a backbreaker elbow drop. Yep. Um, And then three count for Demolition for their third tag titles in about ten minutes. Yeah, this was a... This was a match. I'll I'll go ahead and talk about what happened after the match and let you know what I thought about this match. All right, so after the match... Bobby Heenan goes nuts and gets in Andre's face um, and slaps him. And then Andre smacks Heenan around and then um, and then stops Haku from doing something and gives him a beating too. Giving him a karate and, kick. Yeah, I don't know. Some sort of move. And then Andre uh, becomes babyface. Yep. And this is something to note. This is Andre's last match in the oh, WWF. Wow. Yeah. Not he's, a great not a great match to uh end on. No. No, he sh- really to be if we're going to be honest, he should have just done the WrestleMania 3 match and then stopped. Yeah, but pretty this, much. But this is like this isn't even Andre's last match ever. I mean, this is this is last match in the WWF. I think he had other matches in Japan after this. I wouldn't but, doubt it. Uh, I said I enjoyed this match for what it was. Haku did a good job throughout the entire match, and I like that the double team moves uh, from both teams. Uh, working yeah. around Andre's limitations, I think they did a great job, and the fact that he walked out on top was even better. Yeah. I mean, I like Haku, so I thought he... He'd, I, I think Haku's kind of underrated. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, all things considered, like, if you look at his accomplishments, uh, he he doesn't have a lot of championships and stuff like that, so I think he's a little underrated. I mean, talking to the people in the back and stuff like that, he's, like, considered, like, this legendary tough man. But to the viewers at home, he was under the Giants tag team partner, and then he went to WCW, and he had a tag team with... Barbarian. Yep, the Lord. So, what was it? The Warlord or the something? something no, like, it was it was Barbarian that he had the tag team with. Yeah, weren't Barbar- they like called something though? Like, was oh, it, the they were the they were the faces of fear. That's what it was. That was like the Lords of Pain or something. So Mean Gene is with Jimmy Hart and Earthquake, and they just make lots of earthquake related puns. Earthquake. Oh, this was awesome. John Tenta. Um, okay, so Gimmick let's talk one. about let's talk about Earthquake for a minute there. Last um, year he was Akeem the African Dream. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, that was one man gang. Oh, 
It's a completely different guy. No, Earthquake is this guy named John Tenta. And John Tenta um, was a legitimate sumo wrestler in Japan. But uh, he got kicked out because he had a tattoo. Which at the time, yeah, which at the time was like, you can't do. Yeah, uh, that sucks. Like, you couldn't even just have, like, a flesh-colored, like, patch to put over it? Well, he he did do that, which allowed him to compete, but he wasn't allowed... Even, he was really good, though, and because he had the tattoo, he couldn't move up in the ranks. Like, Lame. you want to... Like, like, the highest thing you can be in sumo wrestling is Yokozuna. Uh, not the wrestler. Not Lame. the wrestler Yokozuna, but... Yeah. Uh, but a Yokozuna, and he couldn't get to that rank because he had the tattoo. So... Uh, he got to he got talked into becoming a professional wrestler, and then he became uh, Earthquake in the WWF, and then Shark in yeah, WCW. Yeah. No. Okay. But and Tug Earthquake mode. Earthquake leads us to the creation of Tugboat. Yeah. Very soon. Yippee. Which leads, which leads to Avalanche. Which directly leads to the Shockmaster. Oh, God. So, so Ventura says that Hercules' biggest... This is big, uh, Hercules' biggest challenge. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Hercules versus Earthquake. And yes. uh, Ventura says this is Hercules' biggest challenge and that he isn't as strong as Earthquake. Well, okay. Earthquake's coming I mean, into this match undefeated. Well, yes. I, I don't know how many matches Earthquake has had. But it probably isn't that many. But Earthquake is just so fat here. Yeah, so fat. I like this music. Uh, yeah, it was it was earthquake noises rumbling over generic rock music. Yeah, no, I I like Earthquake and I like his program with Hulk Hogan a little ways down. A little. It wasn't out of WrestleMania though. Oh, but, was SummerSlam or something. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the match. Earthquake tries to attack Hercules from behind, but Hercules outsmarts Earthquake you because feel you it see coming. Earthquake is fat and stupid. Um, Hercules hits Earthquake with a bunch of like right hand fists right to the face, and then uh, Quake goes outside. Um, Back inside, Earthquake tries to do the test of strength, which is a spot I always liked. Um, and Hercules does it and gets powered down um, and then comes back up. And then Earthquake breaks the hold and then delivers a big forearm. Uh, in the corner, uh, Earthquake delivers a pair of shoulder blocks and then sends Hercules to the ropes for a backdrop attempt. Hercules stops that with a boot and then hits the ropes with a pair of shoulder blocks and a clothesline, which failed to knock Earthquake down. Um, a, a third clothesline puts, puts Earthquake to one knee, uh, but then Herc goes for the torture rack, which is a move I didn't know that he did. I thought he was all about the full Nelson. Yeah. But, but can't lift him up because Earthquake is too fat. And then uh, Earthquake does an elbow drop and then does 
the the worst seated senton ever called the Earthquake Splash and finishes it at just under five minutes. I love the fact that he has to run off like all four ropes. <laughs> well, I like how he just he runs off all four ropes and then he just hits a shitty sits, splash. He he sits down, but you can see he's that being, he's holding yeah. himself up. Yeah, you can tell he's being like so ginger about it. Yeah. And I love the fact, too, that, like, one of his moves on a downed opponent is to jump up and down around them. Sting also did that. He did? Oh, God. Yes. That's awful. <laughs> it makes sense for Earthquake. He's a big fat guy who can squash you. For Sting, not so much. Um. Yeah, but, you know, so Earthquake's finishing maneuver is basically, it's a move that, um that uh Rey Mysterio does except off the ropes. Like you know when he sits yeah, on somebody's yeah. shoulder and then like falls down. That's basically the earthquake splash, except it looks painful when Rey Mysterio does it. <laughs> it doesn't look painful when Earthquake does it on a seated opponent. Yeah. I said Fred Outman sucks. This match is terrible. That was my note. <laughs> uh he's not the best. I like him better as Shark. And then later, I like him a lot as Golga. Do you remember the oddities? Yes. Yes. Him holding a Cartman doll and yeah, him waving it around. Here. Yes. Okay. Um, afterwards, after this match, we get uh, gossip, gossip columnist Rona Barrett. And she has a sit-down interview with Miss Elizabeth. And she says she's going to be taking a more active role at ringside. Ooh, what could that mean? Yep. Um, and then Sean Mooney talks to Brutus Beefcake, who promises to end Mr. Perfect's perfect record. And then he'll clip him. Yes. Ah, the genius. Yes. Leaping Lanny Poffo, Macho Man's brother. Ah, uh, the man who kept Macho Man out of the Hall of Fame for so long. <laughs> All right. So, Mr. Perfect with Leaping Lanny Poffo, the genius, uh, versus Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Um, okay, so apparently to set this match up, Beefcake beat the genius and cut his hair at the Royal Rumble, which then... Had which caused Mr. Perfect to run out and uh, beat him down, and which set up this match. I guess that's a good enough build for this match. Mr. Perfect really hasn't been in the WWF that long. Okay. Um, oh, real quick, before you start the match. Yep. I like the fact that before the match starts, uh, Ventura goes, Hey, Gorilla, shouldn't you say hi to the Ventura family? It's something you always do. And Gorilla gets upset, and he's like, Gorilla, he's a Gorilla says, I don't know anybody in Minnesota. That's something you do. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Perfect starts the match by trying to jump Brutus Be- Beefcake from behind, and they trade blows in the corner. Um, but Beefcake gets the best of it, because of, por- because of course he does. Uh, Perfect goes to the uh, goes flying to the floor, Um overselling like crazy like only him and Shawn Michaels can do this um beefcake then drags perfect back in and 
after a reversed Irish whip, Perfect puts him uh, head down and uh, gets a kick to the face. Atomic drop again sends Perfect to the floor because it's that deadly of a move. Uh, back inside, uh, Perfect does a knee and a chop before driving Beefcake face first into the turnbuckle. Uh, Beefcake reverses an Irish whip and sends Perfect into the buckle. Uh, Beefcake again whips him, and Perfect seems to be overselling um, a lot. Like, he's just selling like crazy. Like, he's just flopping around and doing all sorts of things. I don't think he liked working with Beefcake. Huh. What, did you think he wasn't? Um, I mean, I thought he was overselling, but I thought he was overselling with the fact to try to get Beefcake over as a strong guy. I mean, I like I the, mean, I like I mean, the thing he, he did the... He did, like, the... Uh, slingshot into the corner, and but then he like flipped forward. Yeah, I don't know. He just seems like he just seemed like he was over. He was doing it too much. I don't know. Maybe that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. And he comes flying out of the corner. Uh, Beefcake calls for the sleeper hold, but the genius jumps up on the apron and provides a distraction. Um, he's able to slide a scroll to Mr. Perfect, who then hits Beefcake in the face with it. And then he does his famous neck snap, which I love every time he does that, which gets two. And then Cleo, enough. Okay. Uh, He then chops um, Perfect. uh, Or no, I'm sorry. Perfect chops Beefcake and does a forearm and a knee lift. And then he continues to, uh, he delivers a big clothesline to Beefcake. Beefcake comes back out of nowhere with a slingshot into the ring post, uh, which then ends perfect streak with like, at, at in eight minutes, he just slingshots him into the post, covers him for three. So yeah, I was very disappointed with this match. I expected more from these two. Um, but it was just a I lot didn't of... expect any more from Brutus Beefcake because, as as we discussed, Brutus Brutus Beefcake Ed Leslie is not a good professional wrestler. That is true, but uh, but it was just a lot of uh, Brutus selling the moves and then Perfect hitting a puncher kick and then like I don't know where the match ends. Yeah, I was hoping for more of a technical match or at least something more from from Kurt Hennig uh, to see more of you know Mr. Perfect's move set because yeah. I figured at least. He could carry Brutus to a good match. But a lot of it was just them, like, walking around and shit. It was really boring. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think... I th- Yeah, and with Perfect overselling so much, I really think it was more of a case of uh, Perfect going, this is bullshit, I should be working with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, something. After the okay. match, the genius takes the hedge clippers, and then the slowest chase in the world happens Brutus brings Genius into the ring and then he hits a sleeper on him and Brutus then takes the clippers and cuts the hair of the Genius again uh, all the while or this horrible horrible stock music playing over the top yeah I can't wait for him to go to WCW so we don't have to deal with him anymore alright so after this, we get a recap of the Roddy Piper and Bad News Brown feud. Do you want to go over that? Oh, God. Yes. Okay. 
We get a clip from Royal Rumble where uh, Rowdy Piper's eliminated Bad News Brown. And then they brawl down the aisle. On Wrestling Challenge, Piper attacks Bad News Brown. It was odd hearing Tony Schiavone called WWF programming because he was a uh, announcer at the time. Schiavone. And then Mean Gene is with Rowdy Piper. And I wrote in all capitals, Oh God, he is wearing half blackface and half white. And he calls himself Two-Faced. He even painted his band, his hand black. He then um, proceeds to make fun of different body parts. The black is called the Hot Scott. And then I just wrote in big cap letters, What the fuck did I just watch? Holy shit, Piper gets worse every year. Well, yes. Now, I... You you texted me this, and then I was thinking to myself, oh, he called himself Two-Faced, and what movie came out the year prior? I'm going to guess Batman. Batman. Uh, and who played Harvey Dent in that movie? No idea. Billy D. Will, uh, Billy D. Williams, Lando, played oh. Harvey Dent. Yes. So maybe it's all a clever dis- ruse by Roddy Piper to get... Billy D. Williams to be Two Face, so which did not happen until the Lego racist? Batman movie. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I don't know. I was, I'm just pulling at stuff because I don't know why the hell he did that. I do know that he had a conversation with Colt Cabana before he died, and in that podcast, Colt Cabana asked him about that, and apparently the black did not come off for like a day or two and he got in big trouble with his hotel and people thought he was a crazy person. Yeah. Didn't he say he like took a, like stained the entire shower. Yeah. It's like it left stains. And then even after like it left stains and stuff like that, he was still black. Oh man. Like it took like a week to come off. So So Piper removes his clothes and he's black and white all the way down the middle. Like, who? I mean, this is crazy. They drew this out, and someone spent time putting the stuff. I think Roddy just did it himself. You can't reach down your back and make it that perfect. It was perfect symmetrical. Oh, well, maybe not. I'm just, I, uh, I, I hated this. I can't imagine that Bad News Brown or Bad News Allen, as his real, as, as his other wrestling name was, was very happy to be working with Roddy Piper. Oh, indeed. What bothered me in all this is it didn't matter in the end. It was literally like, no, it would have been something if he was like, uh, if it maybe maybe he changed his wrestling ability or maybe his moveset changed when he used the, God, this sounds horrible. The black part of him and the white, like, you know, like he's two different people. All it was was a visual gag of like, him turning from, I'm Hot Scott. I'm Roddy Piper. I'm Hot Scott. I'm Roddy Piper. Well, I think what it, I think what it is, Rob, is that uh, he was making fun of the fact that Bad News Brown has no personality. No, fair enough. I mean, they could have. This could have worked, but I, I mean, think it in the context of the match, it played no bearing. And ultimately, it sounds like Roddy Piper. You know, he did all this work. I mean, he did all this body... And he just looks racist. That and, you know, it was a pain in the ass to get all that that 
face body paint off of him. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the match. What if we can even call this a match? Um. Okay. So there's a big pull apart to start the match, uh, which requires the ref to separate the combatants. And then Piper comes out of the corner with a crossbody for a two count. Uh, and then another pull apart happens. So it's already a mess. Um, finally, Piper gets the better things with some right hands. And then Brown comes back with uh, some right hands of his own. Brown then headbutts Piper, um, which staggers him. And then Brown does a right hand to put him down. Brown rams Piper into the turnbuckle twice for no effect because he was ramming the black half of his head, apparently. Um, Brown goes back to right hands and then does a nerve hold. Second time we've seen a nerve hold tonight. And then Piper elbows his way out of that and they exchange blows in the middle. Brown gets the better of that with a headbutt, and then he does a snap mare and a thrust to the throat for a two count. Um, Brown then does a body slam to set up a elbow drop for another two count. Piper then goes for Brown's eyes and unloads with a series of rights in the corner. And then, um, Brown comes back uh, by going for the eyes himself. So they're just they're just doing dirty fighting. Um, then the ref checks on Piper. Uh, Brown removes the turnbuckle pad. He attempts to whip Piper into the corner, but gets reversed and gets sent into the corner without the turnbuckle pad himself. Piper then grabs a white glove from his trunks and puts it on and begins delivering punches with it, eventually sending Brown to the floor. Uh, and then Bad News pulls Piper out with him, and they brawl on the floor, uh, and then that gets them a double count out at about six and a half minutes. Yeah, was that glove supposed to be a Michael Jackson reference? Maybe. It wasn't sparkly, if, if I remember I correctly. Bobby Heen, or not Bobby Heen, sorry, uh, Justin Futura makes note of it. I think I think it was. He said like the only person he knows wears gloves is Michael Jackson. Gorilla uh, says I, they continue to hate each other, so this feud isn't yeah. ending anytime soon. Yeah. This match okay. sucked. Yes. Uh, Rowdy continued to have terrible matches at WrestleMania, and Bad News Brown didn't even look that imposing. The match was just punches and kicks. Not much happened. Yeah, I mean, I found it more entertaining after the match ended. Right. I mean, this is, this is like, odd, because Roddy Piper main evented the first WrestleMania. Bad News Brown is a legit Olympic athlete. They should have had been able to at least... Do something decent. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to take a while for Roddy Piper to have a good match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Steve uh, Allen... Is great. Steve is Allen is... He, he's in... Sorry. Sorry, he says he's in the appropriate acoustic environment. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, Steve Allen is with the Bolsheviks, uh, which are um, Nikolai Volkov and uh, Zukov. I don't know what happened between Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik, but anyway, and they um, rehearse the national... 
the Russian national anthem and goofy stuff happens. Hey, he starts playing several different songs with funny lyrics. Yeah. But then they uh, uh, they go to really play the national anthem, and the toilet flushes, and they get angry. So you didn't know, you couldn't tell unless you were really paying attention. Like you saw like a shower head, but you kind of don't put the puzzle pieces together until the toilet flushes. And then they kind of pan out all the way. Like, oh, they're in the locker room or in the bathroom. Yeah. All right. The Hart Foundation versus the Bolsheviks. This is very a very simple match. Nikolai Volkov sings the Soviet national anthem. Neidhart takes exception, jumping him from behind, and then um, gets closed. Uh, and then Volkov gets clothesline to the floor, which leaves Zukov in the ring. And then uh, Neidhart puts him in the bear hug. Uh, Bret Hart hits a clothesline, heart attack, win in 18 seconds. What the? F- what was this? This was a squash match. Nobody got on the ring apron. I think Neidhart was the legal participant. And he only hit a few uh, blows. And then he just picked him up and hit the heart attack. And Brad Bard picks up the win. Yep. He wasn't even the legal man. Nope. The announcers just played this up like the Bolsheviks weren't really uh, weren't ready because he was singing. Well, unless unless this was like a tornado tag, which it, it certainly wasn't billed no, as. No, not well. at all, I don't think. Yeah. Like you said, this was just a squash, and I don't see the point. Like, the Bolsheviks are now dead, and the Hart Foundation, yeah, they look great, but, I mean, these last couple years with the Hart Foundation, they've had really good tag teams uh, matches, so I'm really surprised to see them just do nothing. I really wonder what the build of like this match was going into WrestleMania 6. Yeah. <coughs> well, we didn't get the announcement that, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just I was just thinking like in 1991, I believe in the next few years, Bret Hart starts going single, and then Neidhart gets like thrown out of the out of the WWF. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. I doubt it. We uh, then get a, we yeah. then get an announcement about WrestleMania Seven coming to the LA Memorial Coliseum. Yeah, I love Vince McMahon's commentary in this video. Gonna set all kinds of attendance records. Woo, yeah. And then we cut to Mean Gene and he talks to Tito Santana, Ariba. Ariba. Um, and then we get the match of the Barbarian with Bobby the Brain Heenan uh, versus Tito Santana, Ariba. Yep. Tito says, uh, Tito puts over, uh, the barbarian calling him, he's an impressive specimen, but he'll survive. Well, you're supposed to do that in a promo. You're supposed to say that your opponent is, uh, is, is supposed to, like, you're supposed to put him over, but I don't know. Tito Santana kind of put him over too much, maybe. Uh, so Tito comes out rocking to Latin music, and Ventura says he spent a lot of time at the Blue Note Club. And Ventura says he's picking up on something... More than once. Oh, sorry. He's picked up something more than once. Uh, uh, he picks up... He says, Juanita and Gorilla cut him off, saying that he wasn't interested. Ventura says, 
Chico will need all his speed and wrestling ability to win. He says that Chico should have just gave him some of his food, and he would have got taken the count, would have gotten the count out. Gotta fucking love Ventura. Yes, definitely. So I think he made uh, he made uh, he gets fucked in the Blue Note Club, and that Mexican food gives you the shits. Well, one of the I two ain't it, bad. All right, so <laughs> let's let's go on to the match, please. Um, of note here is Barbarian is wearing the Powers of Pain uh, attire, and the Powers of Pain was the Barbarian and the Warlord, and uh, they had separated at this point. So Barbarian needs to get new gear. Anyway. Um, Tito Santana, Arriba, starts off by getting a, uh, uh, and starts firing away at the corner. Uh, Barbarian then goes to the floor, um, comes back inside. Barbarian delivers a knee and a chop. And Tito comes off the rope with a crossbody for two and then grabs a side headlock. Uh, Barbarian counters, uh, by sending Tito into the ropes and then hitting a big old hip toss. Um, Barbarian, who is Tongan, goes to try doing a uh, diving headlock. Um, and uh, Tito comes off the ropes and gets caught, but punches his way down, uh, getting a two count. Off the ropes again comes Tito, but this time he runs into a big old boot from Barbarian. Shoulder breaker, which I always love the shoulder breaker move. If you don't know what it looks like, like because nobody does it anymore, but if you don't know what it looks like, it's basically you, you put your opponent in the tombstone position and then you drop right down to you, you drop him right on one of your knees. So I'm used Look. to the running one where they put you on the shoulder and then take like one or two steps forward and then they kind of just bring you over and you hit shoulder first onto the knee and then, you know, they take a flat back bump. Yeah. But it just looks like a really, like... Yeah, it looks very up. powerful. Like, oh, man. Yeah, no, I agree. I always like that move. I wish people would do it more, but it's kind of it's kind of dangerous because, like I said, it, you basically have <laughs> yeah. somebody in the, in the tombstone position. Yeah. Um, shoulder breaker. Um, and then Barbarian sets up a second rope elbow drop but misses. Tito then hits a pair of drop kicks and then goes uh, to the second rope, collecting, uh, connecting with a double axe handle. Uh, does a flying forearm, but Heenan puts Barbarian foot on the bottom rope to break the count. That sneaky brain there. Yep. Um, Tito then tries to do a roll up, but Barbarian ducks at the ropes and Santina clotheslines himself on the top rope. Barbarian then heads to the top and hits a top rope clothesline which finishes the match at just over four and a half minutes. Yep, the Heenan family finally gets a win. Yes. And Barbarian looks really cool here. And, yeah. Okay, and then... All right, so after the Tito Santana Barbarian match, we got a match between... uh, We got a re... We're going to have a match between the Macho King, Randy Savage, Macho and King, oh yeah. Sherry Martell. Yes. So Sherry versus, is evil. Yes, evil Sherry Martell. 
as opposed to good Sherry Martell. I, I don't never think she's ever really good. I've yet to see her as a good Sherry Martell. Uh, and then there was uh, du- versus Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire with yeah. with Miss Elizabeth. So, so Sean Moody is with Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire. He says that we won't see a common man. And Macho and Sherry are missing the crown jewel, which leaves everyone confused. Yeah, I wonder who he could be talking about. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Our... Ventura Our... doesn't believe the announced weight of Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire. This was awful. <laughs> uh, so, uh, being 465 pounds, he seems very bitter about it. Dusty Rhodes and grabs a microphone and steals an oh yeah. And says that they know what they are missing. And that's uh, missing in royalty. And he introduces the crown jewel, the first lady of the WWF, Miss Elizabeth. Yes. Okay. So at this point, I believe that Macho Man and Miss Miss Elizabeth have been divorced. Yes. so actually no, I think it was uh WrestleMania No it was this one, wasn't it? Was it this one or the next one they do the Oh one? what the I love you that one? Uh, where where No, that's the, the The wedding happens at a SummerSlam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um It must be the next one. No, it's the next one I think. When they finally reunite. Right. But yeah. I I just... I think they got divorced shortly after WrestleMania 7. Or I mean before, okay. I mean. Like, I think I think probably things were probably going downhill at this time. But I think it was sometime in 91 or early... Ni- you know, somewhere in late 90, 1990 or 91 where they finally divorced and whatnot. I just want to say that, like, these two have to work with each other all the time. And even if they hate each other, they're doing a very good job of... I agree. I mean, it sucks that the business, you know, spit them... You know, basically broke up their marriage. But on the other hand, we we don't know who these people are like behind the scenes. I mean, we knew that uh, probably uh, Ventura... Or not Ventura. Macho Man was probably... Probably into the drugs. Well, that too, but I mean, he was probably doing a lot of drugs this time. I wonder if that had something to do with it too, I mean. He was definitely doing steroids, he was jacked. Oh, hell yeah, he was. Alright, let's see here. Uh, So, yes, the crown jewel is revealed to be Miss Elizabeth, and then Savage goes nuts. Uh, And then Dusty uh, delivers an elbow, a bionic elbow, to start... To start things off with Savage. He sure does. And then uh, Sherry comes uh, to attack, to try to attack from behind, um, but provides a distracting a, a, a distraction, allowing Savage to attack from behind instead. So this is like the eighth match of the show, and like everybody's attacking each other from behind. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe, and the majority of them fail. Yeah, the majority of them fail. Maybe, I think... Uh, Gorilla is like, I need to say Pearl Harboring more. You need to attack everybody. Yes, I need to get this Pearl Harbor gimmick over. Maybe, I don't know. 
Oh, the um, Pearl Harbor job. <laughs> All right, so off the top comes Savage, but he gets t- caught by Dusty, who throws him into Sherry, knocking her to the floor. Yeah, that was awesome. He, ta- he then tags Sapphire, and Dusty fires Sherry inside for her. Um, and then Sapphire does some hip attacks, uh, and then she delivers, and this is what I wrote, the crappiest airplane spin I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> Which gets two. It was so slow. Uh, and then, let's see, uh, Sherry then tries to go for a slam, but Sapphire is too fat, just like <laughs> Earthquake, and she can't lift her up. Oh no, they did the I thought they did the um the WrestleMania three spot with Hulk Hogan and Andre. She actually tried to did, slam her she and yeah, she, she fell. Did lift her up, but then she held her back. Ah. Uh, um Sapphire tags out to Dusty and then um that means Macho Man has to come back in. Uh Dusty uh holds Savage and then Sapphire uh slaps him. They go to the floor, and Savage gains control. A double axe handle from the top uh, from Savage to the floor, and then a few shots from Sherry on the floor. Uh, Savage delivers another double axe handle. Savage then goes for a third, but Sapphire stands guard. Savage grabs Sapphire and throws her to the floor as Dusty rolls inside. Um, A third top rope double axe handle connects. Um, and then Savage, this time in the ring, so Savage gets a two count. Um, then, uh, Savage does a suplex to Dusty, which gets another two count. That was pretty impressive getting Dusty Rhodes up like that. Yeah. Because he's, he's not a small man. Um, a distraction from Sherry allows Savage to come off the top rope and... With, with the scepter to deliver a shot to Dusty. And then he tags to Sherry, and she dives off the top rope with a splash, which gets a two on Dusty. Now, I, this is what I didn't get. Uh, Sapphire tagged Dusty in, and then Macho Man had to come in. But Savage tagged Sherry, and then she does a splash on Dusty and goes for a pin. I didn't get that. Uh, Savage then comes off the top rope, and... But this time, Dusty blocks uh, blocks the whatever he's going to do with a fist. Um, I believe uh, this next move was called by uh, by Gorilla as a double noggin knocker. Yeah, where they hit the butt, they hit the head. Yeah, yep. and then. Uh, Dusty delivers a series of elbows to Savage in the corner. Sherry jumps on the back of Dusty, but he gets to his corner and tags Sapphire in, and she feels Sherry off of Dusty's shoulder pick up a one count. She just throws Sherry Martell. Um, Sherry and Sapphire square off, and a series of hair pulls sees Sapphire fire Sherry to the floor, Elizabeth then uh, throws Sherry back inside, and Sapphire does a terrible-looking suplex. Um, 
things break down with all four in the ring and Sherry goes after Liz. Liz gets involved again by throwing Sherry back in the ring and tripping her over Sapphire who rolls her up and ends the match at seven and a half minutes. Yeah, I this, a, this was a really this fun This was match. not good. What? I loved okay. it. Dude, <laughs> Sherry was like the fucking star of this match. She did such a great job. Like, everything Sherry she Martell did. is awesome in everything she does. I liked her when she was Shawn Michaels' manager. I liked her when she came back and sang the sexy Kurt song with Kurt Angle before WrestleMania 21. I, I like Sherry Martell. I, no, I, I thought don't... she did such a great job with someone who's not non clearly a non wrestler. I said this match was fun. Sapphire and Sherry did a great job. Sapphire's end offense was garbage, but there was a lot of flexibility with the rules, which allowed Sherry to attack Dusty, and Dusty and Macho Man did a great job as well. Although yeah, well, I, I wish But Sapphire just ruined this match. No, she had her spots. Ah, I <laughs> I I liked it. I said, also, right. I, w- I wish Macho stayed off the top rope. He was hitting repeated top rope moves, and they became less and less more effective, in my opinion. Well, I think yes, a single but... match would have been be- better, uh, good between the two. But still, I thought this match, for what it was, over-delivered. I was expecting garbage, and Sherry Martell made gold. I expected good out of Macho Man... And Dusty Rhodes. I wasn't concerned there. I was concerned more with uh, I was actually concerned with Dusty Rhodes. Why is that? Because it's 1990, and it's Dusty Rhodes, who at this point has, like, ballooned up, and he's he's slow and all this other stuff. Yeah. Like, he's not, he's, he's not that great anymore. Well, I expected better, and it went fine. I, I mean, let's listen. All I've been watching is the WrestleManias up to this point. Okay. I mean, women's matches, honestly, have seemed to dry up since WrestleMania 2. And, or was it WrestleMania 3? Either way, it's been a little bit since we've seen a straight, any women's match. And so far, uh, nothing's been spectacular. Well, that's true. Because Moolah can't work. Yeah, and neither could Lalani uh, Kai or... Or Wendy Richter, Wendy Richter. or any of, any of the ones, yes. And the reason we haven't seen any women's matches up at this point is because Moolah's out of the Fed. Gotcha. Yeah, I was wondering about that. And they don't have a women's title. Oh, well, doesn't the WWF own that? Damn. No, Moolah owned the title. What the fuck, Vince McMahon? Own your shit. No, see, here's the thing. Moolah's always owned the title, licensed it to Vince McMahon. Oh, wow. I mean, I I don't know. That's why Moolah held the title for 35 years. Because she owned the belt. Oh, well, there you go. Well, teach their own, I guess. Mean Gene is with Bobby Heenan. And Bobby is Andre. Yeah, Bobby is hot over what happened with Andre in the match. And he says that he's bringing a new member and starting a new family. Gorilla and Jesse are with Rona. And they say that she has uncovered some dirt. She claims that she has a clip of Jesse Ventura in an adult film. And they're about to show the clip, but then they go to Sean Mooney and the Macho King. Uh, both. So I'll read all this because there was a lot of shit going on here. Yeah. 
both Sherry and Macho are yelling. This was great. Sherry is mad, so she is pulling her hair and walking around behind Sean yelling. That was her mad. Was her, ah, okay. ah, that's that fire. Ah, oh my god. Ah. That that that's my uh Sherry angry. I was hey Sherry, you're really angry. Sell this. <laughs> well, she did. No, I didn't say Siri. Hey Siri, you really angry sell. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Sherry and Siri sound very yes, similar. Yes, they do. So, uh we then throw to Mean Gene with demolition. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, he says that uh, what we saw will never happen again, essentially. We then throw to Mean Gene with demolition. They challenge pretty much anyone to take them on. And Gene says it's the Heart Foundation. And they said maybe later. But right now, they have uh, the. They are natural highs. And people don't think they could win the belts. I, was that supposed to be a dig of like, hey, we do drugs or. Some kind no, of... I th- well, I think they're just talking about the fact that they had like an adrenaline high. No, no, I get that. I get that. But yeah, I don't know. I oh, don't God. think I don't think they would talk about drugs on Not WWF air. television because yeah. this is still kid. Come on, they almost just throw into a freaking adult film porno clip. I mean, I want to see Jesse Ventura. I imagine Jesse Ventura, you know, in the cl- in the cl- in the clip of uh, the first part of uh, Valvius's Titantron. When he's like looking down and he looks up and he looks, he's supposed to be all sexy. When he's laying uh, in bed, I imagine that's Jesse Ventura. <laughs> anyway, uh, the like fifteen years of of backstage interviews they just clumped all in one. Well, we'll see. What was happening was they had an intermission for the fans. Oh, because that's Jesus. why there's all this shit. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Oh, okay, we then throw. To Jesse and Gorilla. And Gorilla says that he saw the footage from before. And it was nothing. Mean Gene is in with Hulk Hogan. And it's time for the ultimate challenge. Hogan says while flying into the Toronto. Uh, flying into Toronto. He went over to the Sky Dome. He went over to the Sky Dome. And he said that Hulkamania is running wild. Hulk says that he has the largest arms in the world. Hogan says he hopes that the, uh, the Ultimate Warrior is a good loser because it doesn't matter if you win or lose. He's taking the uh, John Cena approach to matches. Sean Mooney is in with the Ultimate Warrior. Warrior says that the Hulkamaniacs can live through the Warrior. And that he said that there are Hulkamaniacs, the, the Hulkamaniacs question Hogan uh, where they are being taken. And that the Ultimate Warrior will welcome them. And he doesn't come to destroy the Hulkamaniacs and Hogan, but to bring them together as one. And he's going to take them uh, to highs that they've never been before. I was very confused by this. In the rocket ship, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Was that this promo? I don't think it was this promo. I think it was one that was building this match, but... (laughs) I don't know. Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan I, just need to shut up. I, I skipped over those because, like, I was just I was like, so, I can't deal with I was their so confused anymore. because, like, Hogan is like, 
doing his crazy over-the-top, like, scenarios. I mean, at least this year, he wasn't going to, like, body slam someone into the ocean and dog do paddle back, to safety. And then do the backstroke. Yeah. I mean, but Ultimate Warrior is like, oh, no, Hulk Hogan, uh, we're, we're going to be buddies. All your fans are going to be my fans. We, we should We should team up. I'm almost surprised they didn't. They did. They Later. did? Yes. Oh, man. Oh. They, they did. They. It was a SummerSlam main event. Oh, they were tag team? Yes. What were they called? They were. It was the Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, they didn't, have, they didn't have a cool nickname? Like, the no, Ultimate... they didn't have like a cool... They didn't have a cool nickname as far as I was aware. This was, the, this was the time that Ultimate Warrior... Um, blackmailed Vince McMahon for $500,000 or else he wasn't going to work SummerSlam. Ah, well, wait, so, that was this year? No, it couldn't have been. No, it wasn't this year. It, it was, was the following year. It was, a, it, yeah. It was 91. Yeah, it was the following year. I was going to say. Okay, anyway, the Orient Express with Mr. Fuji versus the Rockers. Yes. Take it away, sir. So, Pat Tanaka, I, okay, that's not the, that's not the big thing here. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty are here. I think this is the first time we've seen them. Uh, yeah, I don't think it is. Or I thought were they were they, last year. They were around. They were, last yeah, year. they were the opening match. Remember? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 correct. Okay, but okay, I really like Pat Tanaka, uh, who was one half of the Orient Express. Not so much for his wrestling. Although Pat Tanaka is known for the, being the first man to have Goldberg's theme in WCW. But he was in The Running Man oh. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Interesting. And he was Sub-Zero in that movie. I wrote, I hope this is going to be an awesome match before I wrote anything else. Before I knew what was going to happen. All right, well... Let's start things off. So Marty Jannetty starts off with Pat Tanaka. Pat Tanaka does a super kick that drives uh, Jannetty into the corner. And then his partner Saito, uh, or Sato, whips Tanaka into Jannetty. And then Tanaka hits the ropes. He runs into a power slam. Um, Michaels comes in and does a double hip toss. Uh, to, uh, with Jannetty to Sato and double press slam sends Tanaka into Sato on the, and both men are on the floor and the Rockers then come over the top rope with cross bodies before heading back in and then back inside it's still Jannetty and Tanaka and uh, Jannetty then grabs a side headlock so fast action starting things off Jannetty hits the ropes but Fuji pulls the ropes down, and Jannetty goes flying to the floor. Uh, the ref is distracted by Mr. Fuji. Um, or, I'm sorry, the, the ref is distracted, and Mr. Fuji then delivers a shot with a cane, and Sato then sends Jannetty into the post. Uh, back inside, Tanaka uh, then hits um, Jannetty, and then throws him into the turnbuckle before tagging out to Sato. Um, and then Sato does some knife edge chops before 
tagging back to Tanaka. Janetti uh, reverses a backdrop attempt and then tags out to Shawn Michaels. And then who does a body slam to Tanaka uh, and then does a backdrop to Tanaka, sending him to the corner for the tag to Sato. Uh, <coughs> he then does a, uh, Michaels does a swinging neck breaker to Sato. And he hits the ropes, and but gets but gets a kick from Tanaka, which allows the Express to regain control. A uh, gut buster? I'm not really sure what he did. He like drove his knee into Shawn Michaels' stomach. Okay, it's like a sternum, uh, like a like a down knee to the sternum. I think they called it like a stomach breaker or something like. like oh, move. that move! Yeah, like maybe like a sternum breaker. Yeah, I don't know. They they called it like something weird. Yeah, it wasn't. It was like the, it was like an inverted backdrop, or I mean, a backbreaker instead of the back. It was the chest. Right, which nowadays is called a gut buster. Yeah, it looked awesome. Yeah, it did look awesome. Um, and then from Sato, and then he then tags back into Tanaka, um, standing cross body from Tanaka. Um, count. I lost track. Okay. Connects, and then another tag is made to Sato, who comes off the top rope with a knee drop. And then Sato locks a nerve hold in. Third nerve hold of of the night. Hey, they like their nerve holds, damn it. I know. We haven't seen, like, any nerve holds for all of WrestleMania, and then three in one night. Nah, they were doing them before. I know. Just not as many. Yeah. Um... And then does another tag to Tanaka. Um, Tanaka counters a backdrop attempt by Michaels, uh, but Michaels hits a clothesline. And then he does a tag to Janetti, who comes in and does a series of drop kicks. And then we get that famous double noggin knocker. Janetti oh, um, covers uh, Tanaka, but Sato attempts to break it up. In doing so, he elbow drops Tanaka. And let's see here. Um, Michaels is back in, and uh, and they do a double drop kick that sends Sato to the floor. Double back drops put Tanaka down, and then sets up for top rope fist drops. Very um, Ted DiBiase esque. Yeah. And, and then Fuji gets in- involved by smacking Janetti in the leg with the cane. Janetti goes out after Fuji, uh, but the ref is dis- distracted with Sato, uh, able to sneak up from behind with salt to the eyes, and that prevents Janetti from uh, beating the count, and the Express wins with uh, by count out. Oh, you missed the big move. I was hoping you would have talked about this. So there was a point in the match where... They do this crazy high. Uh, Sato is is put into a uh, a backdrop by both Janetti and Michaels, and yep. it's super high. He does a complete three sixty and lands on his stomach. It was oh, so he fucking does, he does sweet. The full flip drop. Yes, it was good. So yeah, I was so disappointed that they ended in a count out. Uh, I said I really liked the moves from both teams as they were quick and both did really cool looking double team moves and I especially like the crazy 360 backdrop. I thought the end of the match felt really botched as we saw 
the salt spot, but then it just seemed like everyone was confused and what was gonna what was going on. I'd love to see a rematch between these guys, and it's a shame that the match ended in a, the way it did. I yeah. love this match. This is like foreshadowing of what. This is like the next generation of tag team wrestling that we saw in this match. Gone yeah. are the, gone are the net. You know the, the days of like oh, you do move, I do move, you do move, you know, and then doing double team moves. And, and we saw this obviously throughout the years, especially with the the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation. You know, every WrestleMania match they seem to get more and more lax with the double team moves, where I remember in WrestleMania 2 or 3, if I'm not mistaken, you know, J.C. Ventura made a big song and dance about, well, the double team moves aren't supposed to happen, Gorilla, you know. Right, right, yeah, I remember, yeah, we rem- I remember that, it was uh, Strike, Fo- no, it, was, it wasn't Strike Force, it was, uh, first time we really got a big uh, stink about it was the um, Martel and Tom Zank match. Yeah! Yeah. And then it seemed like it just kept building with, like, the British Bulldogs, the Heart Foundation, you know, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. You know, it just, these new tag teams, these younger wrestlers were coming in. Where before we were seeing, you know, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, you know, tag teaming and all that. This was awesome. Yeah, um, I want I, I think it's Matsusato. Um, I yeah. want to look him up real quick because, all right, so Steve Allen is in the locker room with the Rhythm and Blues as they rehearse for tonight's big performance. I don't know. I don't know. I, I usually just skip over these. All right. Backstage. I got, I got, I got notes. Okay. So Steve Allen is with Rhythm and Blues, the Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Valentine is dressed like Elvis. Honky says that Steve Allen must be excited to hear their new single, Honka Honka Burning Love. Uh, Allen then says he's excited when he found out that Pee Wee Herman was straight. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Honky Tonk... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Honky Tonk Man then says their act is going to be bigger than the Beatles reunion and that they need to go practice. All right, so the next match is Dino Bravo with Jimmy Hart and Earthquake uh, versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yes, because we needed to see Earthquake again. Well, we also needed to see Dino Bravo and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, God. I know you I know you love Duggan. I just, yeah, Jim Duggan, number one, ho. USA, oh. USA. Dude, he was hated. Well, okay. Canada versus USA. Yeah, he carried the American flag in Canada. Yes. So I said this match was Canada versus USA before 1997. Duggan being booed out of the building was awesome. Yeah, and you know what? In a way, I think this sets up the storyline in WCW when he joins Team Canada, which is... Uh, Elix Skipper and Lance Storm, and wasn't that Major like in two thousand? Yeah, <laughs> yes. So they waited <laughs> ten nine years. Nine years, ten yeah, nine years to pull the trigger in a different organization. Yep. 
all oh. based off of this. Okay. I'm telling you. I see the connections everywhere. <laughs> all right. So the match starts out with uh, Duggan uh, ducking a clothesline from Dino Bravo and delivers one of his own. Um, he then does a backdrop and is followed up with another clothesline, uh, sending Bravo onto the floor. Back inside, Duggan hits an atomic drop, the most deadly of moves. Yes. And in the and then in the corner, Duggan delivers a series of punches, uh, but misses a charging uh, shoulder thing. Uh, and then uh, Bravo gains control by clotheslining uh, Duggan. This time, he does the inverted atomic, which is the even more even deadly. Even more move. deadly. You can't have kids now. I know. I never understood why that didn't count as a low blow. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then does some choking, some more choking. I thought we had enough choking after the Andre match, but... There's never enough choking. I guess not. Uh, the ref delivers a warning, and this allows Earthquake to give Duggan a shot from the outside. Um, and then Dino Bravo does a elbow drop, which gets a two count. Bravo uh, then Irish whips Duggan into the uh, top turn to buckle for a few, and then rams his head in a couple times. Uh, and then, uh, but that only wakes Hacksaw up because he's a low rent Hulk Hogan. And then Duggan goes for backdrop, but get kicked, but gets kicked in the face instead. And then uh, Bravo charges into the corner. And uh, but runs into a knee of uh, Duggan's, which uh, is followed by a trio of clotheslines. One, two, three. And then Duggan calls for that three-point stance thing he does, but he gets grabbed by Earthquake. They tussle around, uh, during which Jimmy Hart attempts to slip the uh, two-by-four to Bravo. But you know that Two by fours don't work against Jim Duggan. They're his tool. Exactly. So, uh, Duggan is able to pull free from Quake, and yeah, the, the, ref, the is, ref is admonishing Earthquake at this point. Yeah, and then he's able to beat Dino to the two by four and hits Dino Bravo with it yep. and finishes it off with a uh, at 14 minutes and 14 seconds. This went 14 minutes too long. I'm sorry, 4 minutes. Okay, good. I'll say, holy crap. 4 minutes 14 seconds. Now that the fact that Earthquake quickly gets in the ring, hits several elbow drops and three sit-down splashes killing Jim Duggan. Like yep. they just took all his heat. We'll give you the match, but you're going to get murdered. You are now a spot on the canvas. Our review well, package plays... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, you know, Duggan can never be a big star because he got caught with the marijuana with the Iron Sheik. Oh, so. man. Real Americans don't do pot. That's true. Just ask all those people in Washington State. Or anyway. Colorado, exactly. A review... Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we then get a recap of the feud between Ted DiBiase and Jake the Snake Roberts, God. and they're going to face off for the million-dollar million championship, championship, man. Yep. Holy shit. Jake the Snake was hot. 
Well, he's always a really good talker. He is, but I'm saying just the heat. Holy shit. Fans were crazy for him. I was happy because we got the Million Dollar Man entrance music. <laughs> Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. Money, 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 money. Everybody's got a price. <laughs> Yes, yeah. it's finally yeah. full million dollar man gimmick time. Okay, so the reason why people were so excited to see Jake the Snake Roberts is because he's been out of action since May of eight of nineteen eighty nine. Holy shit! What? Yeah, uh, Ted DiBiase like put Roberts out of action. Apparently, wait. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say, wait a minute. Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait, we saw him at WrestleMania. Oh, after. Never mind. Yeah. All right. So, um, let's see. They start the match off by trading blows. Uh, Roberts hits a shoulder block and a knee lift. He goes immediately for the DDT, but uh, DiBiase is able to get outside. Back inside, DiBiase gets a knee and then uh, runs into a hip lock. Uh, both guys miss elbows. And then DiBiase ducks another DDT attempt and again goes to the floor. Back inside, Jake uh, grabs a knuckle lock, a power knuckle lock, maybe, as Granny would say. And then uh, turns hole. that into a hammer lock. Yes. Uh, he then uh, drives the knee into the arm of DiBiase uh, while he's has the hold on. Uh, DiBiase is f- able to reverse the hammerlock into a hammerlock of his own, but Roberts is quickly able to get out of that and sends DiBiase back to the floor. And this time, uh, Robert goes out after him and fires DiBiase back in. He's all excited. Um Back inside, DiBiase catches Roberts with an elbow and then whips him into the corner. He then charges, but runs into a knee. Robert charges with a knee lift attempt, but DiBiase is able to move, and Jake takes himself out of the ring, and that allows DiBiase to gain control with a series of stomps. Uh, And then DiBiase locks on a front face lock, and uh, as the crowd starts to wave... Yeah, um, this was weird. The crowd's going the nuts. Um, though, and the crowd, the, the camera's panning around, watching the wave rather than the match. Um, and then Jesse Ventura, like the announcers keep like, are more impressed with the wave than the actual match itself. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. They wouldn't, they, they, they definitely wouldn't do this nowadays where they'd like, Every like if the crowd is not paying attention or anything like that, Jerry Lawler just says, "Oh, we're in Bizarro, we're Bizarro World. World." Yeah. Um. Okay. So Jesse Ventura talks about the wave. Uh, DiBiase then stomps Jake to the floor, uh, and then goes out after him. He rams Jake's shoulder into the post and then fires him back inside. And then he does he does a pile driver. Um to Roberts. 
um, and then goes for cover. Um, Jake then reverses the cover into a sunset flip, which gets two. Uh, DiBiase takes exception and quickly gains control with another series of stomps. He stomps more than Ronnie Garvin did. <laughs> um, hey, nothing's see. better than the Garvin stomp. I, I guess. Um, okay, Million Dollar Dream is slapped uh, as Roberts gets into the ropes. Uh, Jake collapses, but his feet reaches the ropes, uh, breaks breaks the, um, breaks the Million Dollar Dream that DiBiase puts him in. Uh, DiBiase goes for a cover, but again, Jake gets his foot on the rope. Finally, DiBiase drags him to the middle, but this time Jake kicks out at two. Uh, off the second rope, uh, DiBiase attempts to do a double axe handle, but Jake delivers a shot to the stomach. An inverted atomic drop follows a clothesline from Roberts. Another clothesline now sets up a backdrop. A short clothesline from Roberts set up, a, set up the third DDT attempt, uh, but DB, DiBiase is able to grab the ref, and Virgil uh, pulls Jake to the floor. Uh, Virgil gets slammed on the floor, and DiBiase goes out after Jake. Million Dollar Dream is locked on the floor, uh, but then they run into the post. Uh, Virgil is able to fire DiBiase back into the ring to beat the count, and DiBiase regains the belt by countout at just about 12 minutes. After the match, uh, Jake uh, DDTs DiBiase and shoves a C-note down his throat. Yes. Doing what Uh, he did to everybody else. And then uh, Virgil is able to save DiBiase second before Damien can have his way. But Jake uh, hands out s- some of DiBiase's hundies to the ringsiders. He just what hands out real? $100 bills. Uh, it was a good match. I didn't really like the finish. Yeah. I wonder if those $100 bills were real. I believe they were. Holy shit. How awesome would that be? Well, yeah. But, he, yeah, I mean... I think Vince just goes, here, here's $500. Do whatever you want. That's fucking up. I was thinking about this. I mean, this is the area where you didn't fuck around with kayfabe. How awesome would it be like, hey, uh, hey, Zach, your gimmick is that you're rich and you're arrogant. And to to sell this gimmick, you're going to have to drive around in limos and wear fancy suits and, you know, really live the gimmick. That would be awesome. It would be awesome as long as they paid me enough to do that. Which I'm sure he they did. For oh, I'm pretty sure they did. I said this match was hot from the... Uh, the, ma- the crowd was so hot for this match. The loudest we've heard all night to this point. And I really feel like they should have uh, changed the finish of the match on the fly. Jake was so over and we didn't even see one DDT. Uh, DiBiase was tons better this year, too. Much better than past WrestleManias. Yeah, that's true. I think, well, we did get a DDT at the end. We did. Yeah, we got the payout, but it didn't matter at that point. I wish the match, uh, went, uh, on better, and we saw more from each competitor. But overall, I enjoyed this match. Well, you know what? You know, I think you're right, but I, if this match wasn't for the million dollar title, I think... Like if this was for the intercontinental title, yeah, we could have seen we could have seen that swapping of like we sh- we could have seen a clean finish. But I, the intercontinental title is tied up. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you. Or and, maybe uh, the European title if they had there, that. There you go. No, not yet. 
I said, uh, I do feel like we didn't see enough of Jake, though. Uh, as the crowd was going nuts for him, he just paced around, hitting one move and then pacing and then hitting another move and then more pacing. Where there was speed, where was the speed and quickness? I said, either I think way, he was high. A, probably. Either way, this is a good match, and the crowd really helped make it exciting all the way through. Too much panning to the crowd during the wave. It was a big to-do. That's true. So, <coughs> so uh, right. Sean Mooney was with Akeem and Slick, and apparently the Twin Towers broke up over the big boss man not, uh, not taking the money from the million-dollar man. They talk and say that the correction officers don't last long, uh, who doesn't take the money. Mean Gene and the, is then with Boss Man, who says that he is poor, but he's proud, and he doesn't take money from scum. He then calls Akeem a tribal reject from Africa, who is too fat to fit on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and he is proud to wear the badge, and he's proud to be an American. Well, I mean, I guess it's okay for uh, Boss Man to be a, a face here. I, I mean, he's he's so rarely a face, especially as we get into the nine as we go into the nineties. Yes. Oh, I hope we get to talk about his program with the Big Show at some point. Uh do they meet? I don't think they meet at a WrestleMania. I don't think they meet at a WrestleMania, but I hope we get to talk about it at some point. Yeah, well, well, we do get to talk about him getting hanged. So yes, oh yippee. Okay, um, so this match is pretty quick. It's oh, yeah. less than two minutes. Uh, basically, um, Boss Man hits Akeem with the Boss Man Slam. Oh no no no! And- you you forgot something. Oh, I, I forgot something. The Million Dollar Man attacks the Big Boss Man as he was hiding underneath the ring from the previous match. Oh, he runs right. the big boss I... man into the ring post and then tosses him into the ring and Akeem attacks. At this point, the bell hasn't rung. Okay, never mind. So yeah, the bell never rang, but continue on now. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. DiBiase attacks boss man, throws him in the ring, and then Akeem does a couple of splashes and some corner punches. And then boss man does do... Try to do an inverted atomic drop out of the corner, but kind of messes it up. And then uh, he Irish whips uh, Akeem corner of the corner, and then does a clothesline, and then does the boss man slam, and then finishes it off at 1 minute and 45 seconds. Yes, very quick match. Uh, after that, Slick slides fun. in and gets punched. Ah, oh, this was great. So Sean Mooney is in the crowd who says, everyone is anticipating the new hit single uh, from uh, Rhythm and Blues. He interviews like a seven-year-old. I wrote like a seven-year-old. Like a seven-year-old boy. He says that they can't sing or dance or do anything. Sean then asks if he knows the song, and the kid says he doesn't care. He then interviews a little girl who is able to answer Sean's question. He asked, unlike the young boy. He then interviews Mary Tyler Moore, who just happens to answer some random questions. I wrote, the kid was awesome. Okay, 
Did you? But this is what Mary Tyler Moore said. Uh, she they they asked her about wrestling, and she says, "Wrestling is the best of athletics and theater." Dude, she was broke... fed that line so hard. N- no, she broke kayfabe. That bitch. They wouldn't tell her to break kayfabe. <laughs> Rhythm and Blues come out in their pink Cadillac, being driven by a young Diamond Dallas Page. Yes. There's Before a... he was even a wrestler. Yes. There are some really cute girls called the Honkettes who are jumping around being all excited. Honky grabs the mic and says that they know why everyone is here to see them perform. It's a terrible performance, and the microphones keep getting some feedback, and they can't seem to pick up anyone singing. Poor Greg Valentine sings like uh, the lines... Oh, hold on. Poor Greg Valentine sings his lines. Good luck even understanding him. He doesn't even sound too bad. The crowd boos the performance and then sees the bushwhackers who chase them from the ring and they pick up the guitars and threaten to smash them. They then start smashing the guitars. Fink then says they've set an all-new attendance record at the Sky Dome of 67,678 fans. Steve Uh, Allen... (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say this is the biggest WrestleMania since WrestleMania 3. Yes. Yes. Steve Allen then says that the 2x4 used on the Duggan match wasn't a foreign object. It was a Canadian 2x4. Oh, so it was an international object. Nope, it was a native object. It was Canadian. Oh, Oh, well, I guess that's true. Okay, this match was weird. Ravishing Rick Rude versus Superfly Jimmy Snuka? Yes, because remember last year, Snuka just came out, like, out of the blue... And they acted like, ah, oh, we'd like to see Jimmy Snooker again in the ring, but oh well, he's not. Remember he just randomly came out last year in like a button-down shirt? I do remember that, yes. So I thought he was done. I was no. really surprised to see him here. No, he has, uh, he has this match and he has a match next year. Yes. You mind if I take this match? You can take this match. All right. So ravishing Rick Rude versus Jimmy Snooker. Rude attacks Jimmy from behind and misses a high drop kick. Snooker then mo- uh, mocks Rude by doing the uh, hip swivel. Rude hits a sunset flip, but Snooker blocks it with a punch. Snooker then climbs the top rope, but jumps over Rude and then hits uh, a big body slam on Rude. He then goes to the second turnbuckle and tries a splash, but Rude rolls out of the way. Rick Rude then hits the Rude Awakening and picks up the win with a three count. Uh, it just seemed like this match was in the death spot, and it didn't like, seem like it really mattered. Then it came out of nowhere, and neither man looked great. Well, I think this match is actually very important. Why is that? Okay, one reason only. Rick Rude... Well, he uh, looked good. He looked, defeated a well, legend. Well, Rick Rude was able to get a quick match went over a legend of Jimmy Snuka. And, if you remember correctly, Rick Rude is one of the only people to have ever defeated the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, that's true. So, knowing what we know now, or, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the next match, 
this sets up perfectly Rick Rude to be a contender for Ultimate Warrior. That is true. And guess what? What? That happened. Nice. So, I think it was... I, I get what you're saying. It wasn't the death spot. But I think it was more important than we than you were giving a little credit okay, for. Okay, fair enough. We then get a video package regarding the ultimate challenge. Hogan would save the warrior. Warrior accidentally hit Hogan during a brawl with Earthquake. Uh, 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 during a brawl, Earthquake attacks Hogan, and Warrior saves him from a second splash. Meanwhile, Ventura and Vince are confused as why they keep helping each other. Warrior then starts running the ropes and almost clotheslines, almost hits a clothesline, but stops as Hogan turns around, so the warrior runs away. That leads us into our main event. Yes, the WWF and the WWF Championship match, title for title, Ultimate Warrior being the IC title uh, holder, and Hogan being the world title holder. And, you know... Canada's kind of always been a Hogan territory, yeah. From what from what I remember, but I was surprised to see like how many people were cheering the Ultimate Warrior too. So, uh, let's see here. To start off the match, they trade shoves. Warrior shoves Hogan into the corner for um, off a lockup and return and Hogan then does the same thing to Warrior with their second lockup. And then they do the test of strength, and uh, Warrior is able to gain control off the test of strength. Uh, Hogan is able to come up and gain control for himself, and then uh, Warrior gets to his feet, and Hogan trips him. Elbow drop uh, gets a one count for Hogan, and both men are up in a standoff. So they were trying to show he, that, you know, he, neither one is better than the other, but maybe Hogan's a bit more skilled. Mm-hmm. Imagine Hogan being more technically skilled than somebody. Oh, man. Um, okay. Uh, they do the crisscross spot, which I was kind of surprised to see, even though I've seen this match before. And then... Um, Hogan drops down and then slams the warrior. The warrior like just gets right back up, and they hit the ropes again. And then this time, warrior drops down and slams Hogan, and then warrior clotheslines Hogan out to the floor, and Hogan injures his knee on the way out. Uh, warrior goes out after him and puts the boots to Hogan's knee, and uh, Hebner whether it's Earl or Dave, I'm not sure, goes and checks on Hogan and is told by Hulk that my knee is gone, but I'm going to try to get back in. Uh, Warrior doesn't wait, so he throws Hogan back inside, and he continues to kick at Hogan's knee, uh, but uh, Hogan uh, rakes Warrior's eyes. Uh, Warrior returns the favor, uh, and Jesse Ventura says that he loves that the fight is getting very dirty. Uh, Hogan, Hogan's knee starts to heal itself, uh, thanks to the immense power of Hulkamania, probably, and delivers a punch in a corner clothesline. 
uh, eight punches in the corner and then sets up a body slam and a pair of elbow drops, getting two. Um, Gorilla says that Hogan uh, may have dislocated his patella and it popped back into place, which is why he's okay again. Uh, Hogan grabs the front face lock and then turns that into a small package for two. Uh, and then Needleif sends Warrior into the corner for a series of chops. And then uh, off the ropes, Warrior runs into a clothesline from Hogan, which gets two. And then uh, Hogan does a backbreaker, which again gets two. And then Hogan goes for a chin lock that slows things down. Uh, he then connects with a side suplex, uh, getting two, and then goes back to the chin lock. A warrior elbows out of it and then hits the ropes. Both connect with uh, clotheslines, putting them both down. Both men get up as Warrior goes to the ropes for his power, and and he no-sells Hogan, and uh, Warrior hits the ropes and then does three clotheslines and then whips Hogan from one corner to the other and then uh, suplexes Hogan to get two. Uh, Warrior then grabs a bear hug and um, almost uh, like gets Hogan knocked out because of it. Uh, but Hogan is able to get his second win before his arm drops for the third time. Hogan fights out of the bear hug and Warrior hits the ropes. Uh, Hogan uh, ducks a flying shoulder block and then Warrior takes out the referee. Oh no. Uh, Warrior goes to the top rope. Um, and delivers a t- goes to the top rope twice and delivers two double axe handles and then Warrior comes off the ropes with a flying shoulder tackle but uh, Hogan sidesteps him and uh, Warrior like face plants it's kind of embarrassing yeah. uh, Hogan then goes to cover uh, but there's no referee to count because Warrior's shoulder is too powerful and knocked out Edner um so Hogan tries to wake up the official, uh, but Warrior then does a side suplex. Um, again, there's no referee, but the referee slowly uh, starts waking up. Uh, he crawls over and makes a slow count, but War- uh, I'm sorry, Hogan gets his shoulder up at two. Uh, Hogan then goes for a roll-up, but uh, the referee is not in position and only gets two. Hogan connects with an elbow, sending Warrior to the floor. Uh, He goes after him, and they brawl on the floor. Warrior gets the better of it, uh, posting Hogan, and they head back inside. Um, Warrior then uh, connects a a clothesline, uh, and then does uh, the gorilla press slam, and that sets up the big splash, Um, but Hogan kicks out. And he hulks up. Um, he does the three punches and the big boot. Um, but uh, Warrior's not there for the leg drop. And Warrior uh, hits the big splash instead. And he wins the title at 22 minutes and 46 seconds. Yeah. So it was a pretty good match, all things considered. <clears throat> Yeah, I said uh, the crowd went nuts for everything. These two did, and it was a simple match. 
of uh, uh, one-upsmanship. And it told a simple story of each man being able to hit the same move within one slip-up by Hogan uh, cost him the title. I was shocked to see Warrior win the title as Hogan has won every fight up to this point and seeing him lose the main event was surprising. I could have did without the super long bear hug spot, but it's an Ultimate Warrior match, so it needs to catch his breath. Well, he probably needed to catch his breath a couple times because although he he didn't have any reason to be gassed on like getting into the ring. Yep. So, uh, yeah, but I did notice that Hogan did kick out of the splash at like three point one. Yeah, he kicked out immediately after the three. So, no selling the warrior splash any more than needs to be done. Yeah. So after the match, <laughs> Hogan grabs the title and presents it to Warrior, and both men embrace. People, a lot of people see this as a uh, Hogan kind of stealing uh, the thunder from Ultimate Warrior. I also see it that way. It, just because I think about it, think about it this way: when Hogan, when when Savage won the title, yeah, Hogan did the same team. thing. Yeah, he did. But in that context, he was happy for his tag team partner, and he had nothing to do with the match other than come out and be an enforcer. He didn't lose the title; the title was well, already yeah. lost. Right. Well. That that's true, but he he has to he always has to insert himself in the main event. Yeah, well, talk Hogan. What do you expect? Uh, I guess that's true. So before we get into the star ratings, what was your match of the night? Match of the night, probably it's either the Pat Tanaka Shawn Michaels match or the uh, Warrior. Hogan match, even though I don't really like Hogan's working that much. Yeah. Probably one of those two. I would say the tag team match. I loved the Rockers versus the uh, Patanaka. Orient Express. Or the yeah. Orient Express, yeah. Great match. And worst match of the night? Dusty and Sapphire. What? Liar! <laughs> I would probably say the, uh, the Bret Hart uh, demolition match. Or the Jimmy Snuka. Oh, you mean the Bret Hart Bolsheviks match? Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was the shortest match. It was 18 seconds. Yeah. I don't know. I just really dis- I dislike Sapphire. Ugh. Ugh, whatever. Okay. All right. What would you give the what would you give the card overall? Overall, I would probably say that this is a a five. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd say a five as well. There were some bright spots, but there wasn't that many. Yeah, there were some ups and downs. All right, are you ready to get into the star ratings? I am. What did the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer, say? Rick Martel versus Coco Beware got two stars. Okay. Demolition versus the Colossal Collection got two stars. Generous. Yeah, that surprises me. Hercules versus Earthquake. Oh, God, I forgot about that match. That match sucked, too. One star. Okay. Mr. Perfect versus Brutus Beefcake. Got two and three-quarter stars. Or three-four stars. Yeah. Roddy Piper versus Bad News Brown. Got 
one and three four stars. Okay. The Hard Foundation versus the Bolshevik got one fourth of a star. All right. Tito Santana versus the Barbarian got three fourths of a star. Huh. Okay. Randy Savage and Sensational Mar- Sherry Martell, Dust Road and Sapphire got a star and a half. Okay. The Rockers and Orange Express got three stars. Nice. Uh, Jim Duggan versus Dino Bravo got a star and a half. Okay. Jake Roberts versus Ted DiBiase got two and a half stars. All right. Big Boss Man versus Akeem got negative half a star. Oh, negative. Oh, is this the first one time we got a negative star rating? No. We got someone last last year. Oh, yeah. Well. We got a couple yeah, duds, we did. too. Yeah, we did. Let's see. We actually didn't get any duds. Rick Rude versus yep. Jimmy Snooker got uh, three-fourths of a star. Okay. And then Hulk Hogan versus Ori got three and three-fourths stars. I think that's a little generous, but okay. Well, I was listening to some stuff. Dave Meltzer says that this is probably the best match Ultimate Warrior ever was ever in. Uh, as far as main events go. Huh. I the don't best know. match, I... though, is next year. With Ultimate, with uh, Macho Man. With Randy Savage, yeah. I would, yeah. I would, I would say that's probably true. So. But, yeah. I mean, this is a good match. I think this is probably Hogan's best match. Yeah, so far. I would probably say it's not as good as still probably WrestleMania 3. WrestleMania 3, I still still think the build-up to it was really good. They did a great job. Where this year, it was, I mean, it was okay. But I still think they did a great job with WrestleMania 3. All right. Well, Is there anything else you want to talk about before we uh, head off? No, I think we have... I think we have to prepare ourselves mentally for Hulk Hogan versus Iraqi Sympathizer. Oh, man. Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter. Well, we'll get into that on the next episode of Review of Mania. Thanks, thanks everybody, for listening. And uh, leave us feedback in iTunes and give us emails. Yep, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Please send us an email. We're kind of lonely. We don't have any. And if we get some, we'll read them on air. There you go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Till next Bye-bye. time. Bye-bye.